to Cornell University's Pro Dairy podcast. In this series, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and how dairy farmers and the industry in general have adapted to it. I'm Kathy Barrett, and I'm with Cornell's Pro Dairy program. And I'm Rob Lynch, also part of Cornell's Pro Dairy program. Today we have Dr. Tom Overton with us. He is the department chair for the animal science department at Cornell University, as well as the director of Pro Dairy, and of course, a nutritionist who's done a tremendous amount of research in this whole area of dairy cattle nutrition. So he was an ideal person for us to ask to come and talk to us a bit about what we can do as far as managing the milk supply on farm. So Tom, if you would just take a minute or two and give us some of your thoughts on the issues that we're facing right now, and then before we get into the specifics, that'd be great. You know, we're in unprecedented times, at least from anything I can think of anyway, here in the industry, and we've got concerns relative to certainly the dairy economic side. We've got concerns relative to uh, disruption or shifting of milk supply, milk flow, which has caused uh, problems with surplus milk. Um, at least, you know, certainly some dairies in the, in the northeast, other parts of the country. You know, one of the things we've tried to do as a pro dairy team and a, a Cornell dairy management team over the last several weeks has been to try to put some resources together, recognizing that different dairies have different challenges during these times. Certainly most are going to have economic challenges, but some dairies are being told to either discard milk or use milk differently on the farm and not ship it, et cetera. So lots lots of different scenarios out there. Um, trying to reduce the milk supply on the farm, that's something unusual for the dairy industry. That's not a goal we usually have. So from a cow nutrition standpoint, how would farmers even approach that? Yeah, so one of the things in our radar screen middle of last week, actually, Mike Van Amberg, who's got a, another faculty member at Cornell, had been hearing from some consultants and farms that some farms are being told to reduce their total milk output by as much as 20% uh, within a few days um, in order to still have that milk picked up. That then led Mike, Julio Giordano, and I to, to put together an article focused on you know, how do you reduce milk, total milk output on the dairy. Frankly, an article we never thought we'd, we'd ever write. In that paper, and again, it's on the ProDairy website and through some of the ProDairy alerts, you know, we really outlined some nutritional things that you can do, and then also some non-nutritional things that you can do to reduce milk flow on the farm, hoping this is a temporary situation and things that, that allow the dairy then to resume, I'll say, normal milk output as soon as, as soon as possible thereafter. Yeah, I mean, some of these measures, we want to turn the tap down, but we want to be able to turn that tap back up when the time is right. So the nutritional stuff that we talked about, you know, really was really focused on perhaps in these cows of mid to later lactation, we can push forage levels up and that's not assuming a dairy has the forage inventory and, and maybe bring overall milk yield down a bit that way, but do it in a way where still have balanced diets overall and we're just simply trying to reduce the, the nutrient supply to the cow. Uh, again, trying to stay away from making drastic changes to what we're doing in say our transition cows or lactation cows, hopefully to not short circuit their lactations from a nutritional standpoint. So I think, again, nutritionally, you want to make sure those early lactation cows and the peak cows, they're truly getting what they need to keep that lactation going. We did talk about a little bit about in terms of milking frequency, you know, maybe going lower milking frequency on cows, mid to later lactation, maybe the fresh cows, although that's probably a less preferred strategy because from our standpoint, you know, you go from 3x to 2x, 
you know, sometimes creates uh, labor shift issues. So in terms of managing employees on the farm, schedules on the farm, but then also short-circuiting those lactations and then having a longer lag if and what time the dairy can get back to shipping the amount of milk that we're normally used to shipping. Probably one of the better ways, and there's nothing really magic here, but in terms of, you know, managing dry-off strategies, drying cows off maybe earlier than normal or at a higher milk production than normal. The downside there certainly is the risk of a fair number of longer dry periods in the herd, in which case you really want to have pens available or housing available where you can truly feed those animals a low-energy dry cow diet for however long dry they may be. So again, that's not a perfect solution, but obviously far from perfect world right now. Yeah, I mean, it can very quickly um, cut down on the amount of milk uh, getting shipped, but at the same time, we don't want to create metabolic headaches later on when these cows sort of fatten up for an extended dry period, become hard to manage when they calve in next time. Yeah, one of the things too, with the new, back to the nutrition side just for a minute, the changes in diet and later lactation, uh, you know, considering, you know, really dropping starch levels down to maybe under 20% even in the diet and pulling some non-forage fiber sources to try to manage some body condition of those cows. One thing you certainly would be concerned about if you drop milk yield down, energy balance is going to be different than those cows and they tend to gain body condition. And so we certainly don't want to see a lot of fat cows all of a sudden in the pipeline coming through transition. We can help it. Yeah, so something else that's, that came up last week was some conversation around feeding this excess milk back to the cows as, as part of the TMR. Nothing I've ever considered before, but the more I hear about it, the more it makes sense. So, Tom, you want to talk a little bit about the nutritional aspects of, of that? Yeah, so this is, again, this hit, hit our radar, as you said, Rob, this hit our radar screens last week. You know, and we were starting to ask about as dairies that were being told they were going to need to discard milk or pump milk into the storages. Concerns about how much milk could actually be applied out to the land, which again, there's some new guidance out of uh, DEC and Ag and Markets on that. You know, the topic came up, well, why don't you feed it? And it was interesting, again, never hit my radar screen before. Of course, lots of dairies feed milk to calves, right? But in terms of feeding milk back to lactating cows and mature cows or even heifers, you know, that really hadn't hit our radar screen before. So we did some legwork on it with ag markets and otherwise and confirmed that in New York State, a, a dairy farm uh, can feed milk back to its own animals. However, if grade A milk from one dairy were to be fed to animals on a different farm, it actually would need to be tested for antibiotics based on the pasteurized milk ordinance by either an independent lab or a milk processor. So on-farm testing would not be sufficient in that case. In terms of nutritional value, right? You think about milk as, you know, about 30% fat, uh, about 20 something percent protein, roughly similar percent sugar on a dry matter basis. Obviously it's 87% water or thereabouts. And, you know, we think about milk as being uh, mother nature's perfect food. And so the same things that make it a perfect food for people also make it a perfect food for bacteria, right? So we would have some concern relative to bacteria in the TMR, milk being an excellent growth medium in there, uh, leading to potential issues with TMR stability or off odor or heating of that TMR. That probably places some limits in terms of how much milk we could really put in there. One of the things I put in the article last week that we published on the ProDairy website was that milk to leads in no less than 42 to 44% dry matter of the TMR, okay, maybe being a little bit more conservative than 
folks who put whey in, of course, you're probably not going to feed both whey and milk in the same diet. And it's just because of this lack of stability and supporting bacterial growth, it's a pretty reasonable practice to feed refusals to other groups of animals, but maybe in this instance, not a good idea? Yeah, I don't think I would, just because I am concerned about the stability there of that TMR. Um, What's that TMR like on day two and even day three after the milk's been added to the diet? There are some options potentially out there for adding acids or preservatives to either the, the milk or the TMR. But, you know, again, we don't really have a lot of experience, frankly, with working with those directly at this point. And each farm kind of has their own uh, unique challenges from a contagious disease standpoint. And so there's some pathogens that can be found in milk, you know, shed by cows. And so each farm should consider that as a potential risk. Is putting this milk in a TMR mix going to increase the risk for by herd or not? So, you know, each farm's kind of got their own set of circumstances to consider. Yeah, I think certainly farms could do some bulk tank culture, just to understand what is in their milk. You're probably better positioned than I am to comment on that, Rob. I certainly think that farms should really be paying close attention to milking hygiene, things like that, trying to minimize any load. Yeah, I mean, salmonella organisms come to mind. And if we knew that we had animals shedding on the farm, you know, they're shedding everywhere, including in the manure, which we can control. They're probably contaminating their water troughs, which we have a harder time controlling. But is this another point source exposure that we want to take on if we do find it in the herd? And again, I think it's always a good idea for a herd to have the discussion with their nutritionist or their veterinarian, because you really do want to account for those nutrients in the diet. And again, want to have the herd veterinarian moved in as well. Thanks, Tom, very much for joining us for this podcast. That was very good information for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And certainly, you know, everybody that listens to this, hope that you you are well, remain well, and that your loved ones, families, employees uh, are the same. So we're going to finish up here now with this episode of our Cornell Pro Dairy podcast. Hope you will join us for future episodes where we will be talking to other folks in the industry about how they're handling the current situation with COVID-19. So thanks very much for joining us.